Episode 7 of the Down South Photo Show was recorded live before a YouTube audience. Seven o'clock now. So, okay. Um, well, I guess that means I need to uh, be intro guy. Are you ready for this? I, I hope so. I hope it's more about everyone else being ready than us. Absolutely. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome down to episode number seven of the Down South Photo Show, coming to you live from <laughs> me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove. And that guy, Cameron Blake, down in sunny Hobart, Tasmania, where it doesn't look overly sunny today, but I'm assuming that's not your backdrop. But before you talk, Cam, we know that I have a job to do. And that job is to remind everyone to hit the little subscribe thing. In fact, if you're watching this live, you've already done that. So thank you so much for subscribing to our channel. Um, if you are listening on the podcast, we have recorded this live to YouTube. If you didn't catch it live on YouTube, well, bad luck. You can't do it now because you're listening at another time so anyway um <laughs> welcome to you though hopefully you've um got the uh, podcast turned up nice and loud and you can hear us a-okay how are you cameron blake good mate i'm uh very surprised that we're doing this live episode seven i didn't think we'd reached live status yet but uh well i think it might have been my stupid idea to go live and hey we've got over a dozen people watching at the moment so that's, Hello, everyone. That is a dozen people that are just as bored at lockdown and poor weather than we are. But I'm good. Uh, I am at home. Uh, I've had a tough day today. It's been snowing like behind me everywhere oh. around Tasmania. And because I'm in my 14-day quarantine, I'm living through everyone else's social media posts, videos, police warnings, the whole lot. So but yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm warm. I've got myself a Scotch and Coke. Uh I think you're also having a beverage, aren't we? It's a Sunday night, which you generally wouldn't drink on, but we are not sponsored at all. No, but yeah. I'm having I'm having one standard drink, which is a great, yes. great Northern. Um, well, if Great Northern or Johnny Walker would like to sponsor this, show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't we wouldn't say no. We might have a case of it turn up at our doorstep. Um, mm, that'd be terrible. Su- <laughs> yeah. Well, um, here in Ocean Grove, it's freezing, and yeah. well, it's it's the middle of winter, and we're down south so what did we really expect but it's been Mm. rainy it's been drizzly um not really good for photography save for a bit of surf that's been around so well we had that um, going on we had a warning from the police the other day and i'll excuse my kids screaming in the background if they don't kill each other yet i think this is this is all part of going live Mm, i I think this is all part of cabin fever um but we (laughs) we we got a warning from the police here that uh well emergency services that tassie was going to get the great, the biggest tides in a quarter of a century. Really? Yeah. So that was going to be yesterday into today and maybe into tomorrow. So I would imagine you're getting some swell down your way. That is the surf coast of Australia pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we've, of course, full moon at the moment as well. So that mm. does create the bigger tides too. It does indeed. Um, but I think, it, I think it also, we get really big tides when we've got the low pressure system off the coast, yeah. which I think is further down your way, like further mm. off south than Hobart even, right right off the coast there. Yeah, so, I think it's skimming underneath, I think, yeah. Yeah, hence why you would have got the warnings, but uh, not for us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't uh, been out taking photos for a couple of days. I've actually taken a couple of days off um, and just really kicked back for the last couple of days because 
Um, we're sort of hoping that in regional Victoria, at least, we'll be yeah. able to come out of lockdown on Tuesday night. So that's this coming Tuesday night and hopefully back in business on Wednesday. Fingers crossed. It is fingers crossed, mate, because we're, uh, working in retail, we, we need to be back open to the public. That's that's how we do it. Um, online is certainly helping. And thank you for everyone who supported cameraandphoto.com.au online. That's been brilliant. Uh, but you can kind of tell that people are very, very much over it this time around and they're sort of holding off, um, getting lots of emails asking, you know, if we're going to be reopened on Wednesday if lockdown lifts. And the answer is 100% yes, yeah. we will be back open uh, when lockdown lifts. So with any luck, that's what happens and all this can sort of get back to some kind of normality. But mm-hmm. I wanted to also point out that not only have we gone chosen to go live at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, we're also pitted up against, I believe, the Boomers are playing in the Olympics as we they speak. They are. They're playing Nigeria, aren't they, I think? Is it? Nigeria? Mm, okay. I think so. Well, yeah. Um, so... I've got one of my good followers is reluctantly not watching us live because she'd rather watch the Boomers play basketball. So, But just before you keep going, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm learning. We're YouTube live. We've actually got a YouTube chat. People are actually saying that we are live and g'day. There's someone from Perth. Hello. Uh, everyone's here. Uh, I said... Uh, someone's asked me about quarantine. What's that about? Uh, quickly, I was in Melbourne too long and had to come back to Hobart and got caught in that little time frame where I now need to quarantine for 14 days at home. I'm perfectly fine, testing negative to most things and um, doing okay. Uh, but I also said, Brendan, I thought maybe just so people can chuck up some questions and if I happen to glance and see something interesting, I will. Um, yes, absolutely. We want to be interrupted with questions. That's perfectly fine. We've, we've we got do, one. We've we do got have one a very, very good. I'll come to you in one sec. We do have a very basic run, running sheet, very basic. But if yeah. you've got a question, fire it in. Cam has just promised us all that he'll read it. Well, Anne Moore. Hello, Anne. I know Hello, Anne. Anne. I know Anne. Anne is, is it possible to remove raindrops that are on the lenses from photos or can they make for moody shots? I, I would say leave raindrops alone. You can. You can. You can uh, well, you clone them out or heal them out. But mm-hmm. I think it would depend on if it's a really cool fern or a really cool fungi or something like that. I'd, I'd leave them on there. It adds, it adds to the shot, I think. But Are we talking about raindrop on the lens or on the subject? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I read, misread that. On the lens. Uh, on the lens, you need to wipe your lens clean. Um, <laughs> my, my number one tip for that is, is if you're in a crappy type of weather uh, with rain or snow is just put your lens cap on in between shots. Uh, and use a lens hood to try and keep the rain as much off. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've also been known when if I'm out shooting and it starts to get a bit drizzly, the old take the hat off and put it over the, yeah. hold it hold it above the, the, the yeah. lens sort can of put, thing. Can just, you put just, that hat back on? Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, and the boomers are up 43 to 40. We're getting score well, updates as well. Uh, well, hello, spoiler alert for those yeah. of you recording it and don't want to actually know the score. Oh, but they're not. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. That, 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 that was that was Ashu's photography. You've just blown every, blown everyone's yeah, yeah. Uh, Olympics. Apart. I am I am so chuffed to have Ash along. Ash is a very good customer oh, of mine. Who, yeah, excellent. Who I print a lot of photos for Ash. G'day, mate. I'm glad you've uh, taken the time to tune in. He's an avid listener of the podcast. Cam, he is one of them. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, so uh, thanks good. thanks for that, Ash. And we will now not give away the score in the basketball at all. Yep. Yeah. Let's uh... well, pro- probably not. Um, just a quick thing about um, uh, the, the the question Anne asked about the raindrops on the lens and stuff. 
the the idea in my opinion would be yes get rid of them if you can so cloning them out in photoshop um, i'm a photoshop user i know cam's more of a lightroom dude but i, I use photoshop um, really easy to, to clone them out unless you've got a raindrop in a crucial position and then it gets a bit harder yeah. and from experience nine times out of ten uh, raindrops will appear exactly where you don't want them to so it's really yeah. important to continue to clean your lens and things like that um, are we going to mention the war, the, the cleaning cloth war? or uh, The cleaning cloths that are still on their way to people who want the cleaning cloths. <laughs> yeah, for those that are watching who um, want a cleaning cloth, they are on their way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> just, uh, yeah just, just a clerical error. That yeah. was all it was. Uh, it's COVID. Um, yeah, COVID. What other excuses can I come it's, up it's with? The, it's the vibe. <laughs> it's, the, it's the whole COVID vibe. Uh, but they are coming. I mean, you know, they're free, so it'll be worth yeah, yeah. waiting for. Um, yeah. I think we gave them away in episode two it's now episode seven so yeah, my well, bad. You know, on me i'm happy to wear it yeah that's fair enough um teresa says loving the podcast thank you teresa uh, <laughs> andrew thompson saying what do you find best to drink during editing wine spirits or beer oh uh, now this is this is crucial crucial and cam yeah. over to you uh it's, for me it's spirits if i if I, <laughs> I can i can get i can get about four or five glasses in and i don't care what kind of crap photos i've taken they start looking all right you know, and, and talking about talking about, about talking about Anne and her raindrops Raindrops work when you're six glasses in. Absolutely. Doesn't matter. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are not advocating drinking, uh, drink responsibly. And uh, and we don't have sponsors for this show, but if anyone is looking for a sponsor. <laughs> I love it. Um, for, I, I generally try not to when I'm editing. Uh, it depends on the job, though. Look, I don't shoot for, well, I'd certainly don't shoot weddings and I don't shoot for clients generally. Occasionally I have been known mm. to, but I do try and uh, normally it's coffee for me um, just to keep the uh, things nice and sharp. So it's, it's funny. I've done, I've done a few weddings where they have, um, I've done a lot of weddings, but I've done a few weddings where they have literally just said, no, you need to drink throughout the day. You are drinking with us and we are, <laughs> we are happy for you to take the photos and however they turn out, they turn out. I'm like, gee, that's a bit of pressure. Free alcohol. Autofocus. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can see how that. Uh, you yeah. sort of have to go with the flow, so to speak, on that one, wouldn't you? Yeah, you got to be careful. You don't yeah. want to be, you don't want to be making a mess of yourself. But yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. but I'm I'm 45 kilometers from home. How do I get there? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. How do you get home afterwards? Um, yeah. Which is yeah. Problem, Uber. So. Uber. Um, yeah. So Jenny Jenny Cooper has just, I think, responded to our cleaning cloth delays. Uh, and she's also just made a mention that Christmas isn't far away either. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks. We appreciate your patience. And we know that you are tip top of the list of yeah. the five people that, that are uh, that are getting a cleaning cloth. And yeah. Hers will be the cleanest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at, at, at least three of them haven't been used. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Yeah, cool. at least three. So tonight, nice. we, yeah, we thought we'd just do a live podcast it's a bit of a muck around everyone's yeah there's 13 million 16 million people in lockdown so i suggested to brendan that we just do a bit of a live podcast show thing and you know we've got uh 20 odd people watching now which is great so if you've got questions chuck them in the questions we'll try and get to them um but we thought we'd uh just go and with the flow and talk a bit about landscape photography brendan had a few ideas about what the he hasn't shown me the running sheet so i've got no idea what you want to talk about but no, good. Well, I'm going to kick off uh, my the, the podcast with um, photography at the Olympics. Mm. Um, so today I was watching the swimming. Um, how awesome was that? Um, I don't know if you, if you folks are into your Olympics, but watching the swimming today really sort of reminded me 
as I've grown up, like there's little touchstones every four years with the Olympics and you get, you, all of a sudden you become an expert in different sports. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, there's, there's a few words that come up every four years. Well, in this Spe- case, every special. five years. Special is one of them. Well, that is one of them, but, but also words like repercharge, right? Can that, used, <laughs> can that be used in a photography term? Well, you know, you're watching, you're watching the, the rowing yeah. and, oh, the top two teams go through, Australia has to go through the repercharge. Right. And see, that's a, that's a term you only use every four years. And I know there's loads of others. Put them in the comments of, you, of other words. But you become an expert all of a sudden in swimming or you become an expert. I watched the skateboarding this morning. Is I there mean, skateboarding? There's skateboarding in the Olympics. And it was while I was watching these events where I was keeping an eye on the photographer's pits. And I'm like, oh, man, what a gig. Like, that would be... Yeah, right up there. I mean, if you if you're into your photography and you're into your sports photography, I dabble in sports photography. I um, I'm no expert at landscapes, my thing. But I, if I had to choose a career other than landscape photographer, it would be sports photographer yeah. all day. Well, yeah. I love it because I love my sport and I love watching it. I love going. I've been lucky enough to photograph a few AFL matches. I was going to say, didn't you do a couple of matches on yes. the on the boundary at the MCG? I did. Yeah, oh, I, I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. a few years back, a very good friend of mine, Crash Thompson. Hopefully, he's watching at some point and just heard his name. Um, he <laughs> he he put on an event while well, he was part of the staging of the World Football Cup, yeah. which was uh, played uh, the finals at the MCG. It was Ireland versus New Guinea, um, and it was the curtain raiser to Geelong and Hawthorne. And I was very, oh, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was very, very lucky to get a par- access all areas at the MCG, which yeah. is something, yeah, I really treasured. It was brilliant. I got to basically shoot all the grand final for the um, for the World Cup, and an hour later, the Geelong Hawthorne game started, and I got to stay over the fence, and I got to meet a couple mm. of other the other sports photographers there, and. It was really cool. Anyway, mm. totally digress. Um, I wanted Cam, if you can now share mm-hmm. the web page uh, that I, I um. I am multi-skilling you. like a maniac here. I'm posting okay. things to our Facebook page to say we're live now. I'm answering questions, and I'm also about to share a screen with people. This guy. And look at this guy. And you. Look. And you. And and you. Look at this guy. Change your background. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Uh, so this was this is a web page that I wanted to share, and there's a few little stats there. Now, this was from Rio in 2016. Um, 1.5 million photos are taken at the Olympics. Um, back then, it, back then, four year, five years ago, it took 120 seconds from when they pushed the button to when the editor of the newspaper or the editor of the publication. 120 seconds, two minutes to get that image. Yeah. They've now got that down to about 60, 65 seconds. Um, now, this was for Getty Images alone. They used $200,000 worth of gear. Now, they've got a shared vault that they have at the Olympics. If you just scroll that image up a bit, Cam. Or, or down. Or down, up, the <laughs> other up. That have one. a look at that. So that is a cage that is on site at the Olympic Games with pretty much every piece of high-end Canon Pro gear you can poke a stick at. Um, so we are talking about, yeah, thousands and thousands of bucks worth it's, of gear. It's, inc- it's incredible. And any of the Getty Images photographers can waltz in there, grab what they need. Um, they can take whatever body, whatever lens they want. They just need to sign it out. Off they go. And yeah, I can't get over it. It's so cool. I mean, what a what a talk about a kid in a toy store. That does would it, be something else. Does it else. say how many megabytes of photos were taken? It no. doesn't. But you know what? I'm going to find out. That, that'd it'll be, be pretty it'll cool. Be, it'll be. We're talking terabytes of yeah, images absolutely. would be would be taken at, at an Olympic Games. 
Um, so if you can just scroll back back down, up, whatever. Yeah. Um, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about those gigantic lenses you can see in centre of frame there. Um, and for the novices out there or people who don't sort of really know what it means to shoot with a lens like that, what you're looking at there is a decent zoom lens for sure, but it's really, even those big lenses on the floor, I'm going to hazard a guess here and say they're probably a uh, 400 millimeter focal range, mm. which doesn't sound like a lot, but you're operating, operating on a full frame camera. You're operating at really high speeds. Um, 400 millimeters is more than enough for these photographers because they position themselves in the pit or, or they might be literally right by the pool or they might be right next to the finish line of the track and field. Um, what those lenses do, though, is they work incredibly well in low light. So a lot of the Olympic events, particularly the finals, happen under lights. Um, so they need these lenses that have gigantic apertures. So those lenses that you see on the floor there, they're probably like an F4 lens, but they're at 400 millimetres. Uh, they might even be F2.8 at 200 millimetres. So uh, even F2, I know that Canon have a 200 mil F2 lens as well. So what they really are, they are light buckets. So they let in an awful lot of light so that photographers don't have to shoot at ridiculously high ISOs. They can still shoot at relatively low ISOs, but still fast shutter speeds to freeze the action. So we're talking about swimming where you get those awesome photos where you might have there's a couple of very famous examples where you've got a breaststroker just about to burst through the water and you can just see the outline of the head, that sort of stuff. Super high, fast shutter speeds. So they need lenses that are not only got a long focal length like they have, but also are able to shoot at really, really low aperture values. And um, you'd have, so to have, yeah, some pretty, have to have some pretty damn strong forearms to hang those lenses out all the time, wouldn't you? I know they rest on things and stuff like that, but... Um, yeah, so yeah. They're all, they're, Mono, they're, monopods must be available in that room yeah. somewhere as well, I would imagine. So they're all EOS 1Ds. Like there's, yeah, there's probably 40 EOS 1Ds there. Yeah. Um, that's that's millions of dollars worth of gear, isn't it? I think, I think a 1DX is what, $12,000, $13,000, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, cool. So yeah. I just thought I'd um, be yeah, topical at the moment with <laughs> what's going on in the Olympics. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, to, to have an access all areas to the Olympic Games would be an absolute dream come true. Um, I've been lucky enough to have a chat with um, a Nikon ambassador in Australia, Deli Carr. Yeah. Um, he's, he's amazing. So, I mean, I, I think he's been to... 475 olympic games 475 olympic games or events yeah no 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 games <laughs> what is he 600 years old <laughs> no he's he, he's been uh from memory he's been to every olympic summer and winter yeah i think i think since 88 Seoul yeah. 88 so um that's a lot and uh he's yeah he's brilliant delhi car look him up c-a-r-r -R. Uh, have a look. Well, yeah, that's, um, I've been watching a little bit. I, what I see this morning, I saw that I, I did actually see some highlights of the skate morning, but I thought it was this exhibition of, you know, filling in time in Tokyo. Let's just go to the skate park and see what people are doing. <laughs> I, I really didn't know it was a an event. So yeah, well, these yeah. are these are highly highly tuned athletes, Cameron. And yeah, right. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because you watch, um, you know, the the dude from uh, from the US, and he does the whole run with his AirPods in. I did see that. That's why I thought it was kids just playing at a park. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the. It's what the kids do. Camp. Um, skateboarding is a thing at the Olympics. Surfing. Yeah. Is a thing at yeah, the Olympics. I knew, so, I knew surfing was in there, but skateboarding that must be a new one. But 
Yep, skateboarding, yeah. I, I believe, is new this this time around. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so do uh, do we have any more questions? Or uh, no, we've got a few people still going on about the cleaning cloths. That's okay. We're working with this. Them. Is great. No, no, I I'm, need I'm, this kind I'm, of stuff I'm, from you guys. Come I'm on, man- I'm managing. I'm managing their their expectations, uh, but no, no, no other questions as yet. So we'll keep moving on. Um, yeah, what, yeah. What, what did you have next on this mystery run sheet of things that we might be talking about? Well, I thought I thought what <clears throat> what people might enjoy, um, and please tell us if you don't. But we're doing it anyway. Um, yeah. Cameron and I have selected three of our own images, and we're going to have a little bit of a backwards and forwards. Cam's going to put up an image on the screen. Not yet. I'm going um, to pour myself another drink just yet. Hang on. You, he's going to do that. So um, we'll just uh, we, Well, uh, Jeff, Jeff Webber's just said there that he just watched the review of the Canon RF 600mm F4 and the 400mm 2.8, and you need to drop a lazy $25,000 on each one. Oh, is that all? So, Jeff, uh, no doubt you'll be grabbing one. Yep. Um, uh, can you send me one, Jeff? Cam, you want yeah, one? Yeah, we just put one on insurance and... Oops, it fell in the water. Um, so, yeah, if you, again, if you've got questions, um, you, we might have a couple of questions as we put these photos up as well. So these photos, as we put up, um, you might have some questions about them. Um, yes. So the so, reason why we're doing this is I thought it would be pretty cool. Um, Cam's chosen three of his images. I've chosen three of mine. Uh, randomly, I mean, I've, you know, we had a bit of a look and said, oh, well, these are nice. Look. And But the idea is that the, the, the photos... Every single photo you've ever taken has got a story behind it, right? The picture is worth a thousand words, but it's worth way more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good way, I think, to talk people through maybe the setup, how you got mm-hmm. the photo, uh, yep. circumstances behind the photo, all that sort of are, stuff. Are you changing things on me here? Are we going photo for photo? Because I'll I, I have to go change the order up quickly. Uh, whatever. Let's do it. I, I think I, I wouldn't mind if we went photo like uh, all right. you know, one of mine, one of yours, one of yours, one of mine, right blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah. I'm happy to do all of mine no, first look, if, look. if that helps your administration side of things. Oh, and Jeff just said they're not Olympus mount. Well, why would you pay 25? You wouldn't have to pay 25 grand for that. You can get a 600 mil Olympus, can't you, for like a couple of thousand bucks? F4. Uh, you can you can get a 600 mil equivalent Olympus lens for about 599. dollars dollars There you go. It's the Olympus 75 to 300. And it is five hundred ninety nine dollars, and yep. that's an equivalent one fifty to six hundred. It's not f four though, is it? No, no. Okay. It's uh, it would be f six point three at at the long end. So it's um, it's, it's four hundred ISO up to eight hundred ISO. Thing is though, shooting in broad daylight, twenty four and a half thousand dollars less. <laughs> and let's be honest, I'm gonna just really hazard a guess here that none of the people that are watching us live or listening to this later are going to be shooting shooting photos at the Olympic Games. Um, you know, just you know, it's, it's a great, know. it's 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 that's a really cool if you're an Olympus shooter, 75 to 300, perfect wildlife, yeah. um, bit of sports, again, broad daylight, low light, yeah, you might start to push mm. it, push it's uh, push it a little bit and you might need to go for one of their pro lenses, but yeah. um, great little lens you have in the kit bag and small and lightweight yeah. like Olympus do really, really well. Um, so without any further ado, ado. Shall we throw up an image, Cameron? Let me share. I'm just uh, listening to who's World going War. first. Let's see. It's going to be I'm random. Just, I'm just listening to World War Three going on in the background. We're getting a cabin fever here in this ca- this house, and we need to get some Fenergan out. <laughs> um, Let me pour them a scotch. Mm. Parenting. Sorry, that, that I didn't say that. The we Oli- can we can, Oli- we can we can erase that. The Olympus uh, 100 to 400 f5 to 6.3 was lockdown reward for 
was my lockdown reward for the 200, 800 mil equivalent. It's pretty good, uh, isn't it? That's yeah. That well, that's see, that's that's an, nice another, another smart Olympus user. All right, can you see that? I can see that. Right, that doesn't look like my my shot. That, that looks like that's that's one of mine. Yeah, does it look bright enough and everything like that? Like, yeah. well, let, let let's see people. Oh, there we go. Comment. I can um, I can actually see on the the feed that I'm watching. So geez, it's all and good. I, and I tell you, having your little your little mouse cursor there was doing my head in. So thanks for moving it. That one. Would you, prefer I was, would you prefer I was in? Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, what have you done? I don't know. Uh, so, uh, and again, I'm sorry for those who have only got this on the podcast, but what we're looking at here is a photo that I took at my lovely, beautiful, picturesque hometown of Ocean Grove in Southern Victoria. Um, so dotted all the way along the coastline here, are these beach access sort of stairways and pathways um, built quite some time ago and holding up relatively well, but by geez, they make fantastic subjects. Um, this is the steps uh, for those of you who know the area. These are the steps, as it says in the top left corner there, these are the steps at 9W. Um, so they're all numbered. So basically, if you go all the way down the coast to Point Lonsdale, that's where 1W is, and then it goes 2W, 3W, etc. That's 1 West, 2 West, 3 West. Um, are they, are they, they kilometres apart or is it? No, they're just um, they're numbers for emergencies. So oh, yeah. that if, yeah. if if someone's in trouble, um, emergency services sort of know what the nearest marker is. And this is at 9W. Um, 9W is hands down my favourite. And the reason it's my favourite is because it has the steps down, but then it has that little timber path that you can see uh, reaching out towards the ocean. And then it turns at a little left-hand corner. Um, it makes for a fantastic composition. I've taken this photo literally 150 times at different sunsets. It's sort of like my go-to if I'm, if I can see a really nice sunset brewing or you know a nice colour in the sky, and I want to, um, you know, I oh, want a good. No, I just want a good <laughs> subject. Something, something that with, like we talked about last week with those good leading lines. Um, mm. Well, this delivers it. I like to shoot it from this angle, which is quite low. So I'm actually sitting on the top step here and I've got um, the rails coming out of each side, sort of on the side of the image, as you can see there. And it also um, sort of lends itself to giving you that feeling that you could walk down those stairs. So that's what I like about it. Mm. Um, yeah, so this is a, a spot, as I say, that I just love to go to. And that's why I wanted to put this one up. This has actually also been... Uh, it would be easily in my top five of images that I sell. Um, it's a lot of people look at it and say, oh, that's so Ocean Grove. So in the distance where the sun's setting, you, which in hindsight sort of looks like a nuclear bomb going off, but hey, it is what it is. It made the colour nice in the foreground. Um, the, the point you can see there is Barwon Heads. So you've got the bluff at Barwon Heads right there. Just short of that is where the river comes out into, into, Barwon, into the ocean at Barwon Heads there. Yeah. Um, that's a fair way around, really, isn't it? That is a fair way around. So yeah. from yeah. where I've taken this photo to that point in the distance, you're probably looking at seven kilometres, I want to say, something like that, as the crow flies. Yeah. Um, probably about seven K away. So um, so if I was clever, I would be able to have a look at what settings I used on this. Look, so, here, here you go. Here's one I prepared earlier. Hang on. <clears throat> so I, 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 I have it. I've got it here. It's ISO 400, F5.6, 1 250th of a second at 10 mil on, I imagine it's Olympus. Um, um, so that's 20 mil. Yes. <clears throat> yep. uh, actually, no. So okay. 
I want to check. Just bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. Can we have some uh, hold music, please, Cameron? Doodle, doodle, doodle. Jeff just <laughs> said. Jeff. Jeff just said. What was the nine W image shot on? Ninety megapixels. Wow. So I think uh, he's impressed. Good. Thank you, yeah. Jeff. Was it? Is it megapixels or megapixels? Oh, megapixels. Yeah, megapixels. Okay. So <laughs> this was shot. Um, I can tell you exactly what I shot it on. This shot was shot on my trusty Nikon D fifty one hundred. Um, which is a crop-centered SLR. This mm. is a 16-megapixel SLR, um, and I shot this uh, on my Sigma 10 to 20. Um, the Sigma 10 to 20 that I've got, I've said this before. I might as well just spot weld this thing to the front of this camera. <laughs> it's it is my at the and even now I still use it a lot. I haven't used it as much lately, but mm. I still grab the trusty Nikon D5100 out now. D5100 was released, I think, in 2012. Right. So it's an old camera and it just, I don't know. And I we, like we, to think further, further proof that it's not what you got to tell you. Use yeah. It. And we spoke about that the last episode, didn't we? Where uh, one of the questions was, should I upgrade my camera? And it's like, well, if you're getting shots out of your camera that you're happy with, um, why? Like uh, there's so many people trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like you can go out and buy the brand new Nikon every time it comes out. But if you're still shooting like a rookie or you're not understanding what's going on or you're using poor lenses or, you know, your lenses are all dirty or whatever, it's not going to make an, an inch of difference with the outcome of your photos. So yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think um, also with, with this setup, because it's, it's uh, this, is, I've got the F3.5 version of the lens. It means I can shoot images like this handheld for longer as well. Um, like I've said in the past, when sunsets start to happen, I'm a lunatic. Like I, I run around like a mad person and yeah. getting this angle and, you know, so you could imagine trying to set this up on a tripod and, and you know, that sun, that's, you know, that look only lasts for, a, you can see there's some cloud around. I was worried I was going to lose the light. So, you know, it's literally a matter of getting into position, getting the shot. Uh, now, as far as editing is concerned on this image, there mm. wasn't uh, a heap of editing that went into this shot. It there's, was, a question, there's a question pending about the editing. Is there so mm. with this particular now? This particular image didn't really need a lot, and I love that. Uh, I've, I've always said it's important to get it as good as you possibly can uh, straight out of camera. So put all the work in in the field to make sure your composition's right. Make sure your horizon's straight. Um, you know, make sure uh, everything that you want that you can control in camera is done, yeah. so that then when you come back and you're sitting in front of your PC to edit or your Mac to edit you don't really have that much work to do. Yeah. And generally speaking, they're the images that work the best. So this image, although the rails on the right-hand side are clearly backlit, there was a little bit of lifting of shadows in this, mm -hmm. a little bit of dehazing. Other than that, Bob's your uncle. Um, generally, generally the, the, uh, one thing I was really happy with, and of course, everyone's going to have a different monitor and calibrations of thing. We get that. I was really happy with the color accuracy on this image. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. It's beautiful. Right. You, can, you can almost you can sort of feel like you can almost feel that sort of sea breeze as you're walking down those stairs. It's sort of you're right. It's got a very natural feel to it, which is good. Well, um, the, the the last thing I'll say about it is this shot is done very very close to the summer solstice, right. so uh, that's why the sun is right off the bluff. Yeah. Okay. Um, at this time of year, that sunset is off off be, this image be, to the right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To the right. So oh, to the right, that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So right. it's way, way further right. Like it's it's actually out of frame. You can't even get a shot like this at this time of year. Yeah, right. Um, our good mate Jeff, uh, he's right onto it. He does not miss a thing. So 
your image here is 12,000 pixels by seven and a half thousand pixels. Hence, yep. hence the 90 megapixel question earlier. Ah, oh, right. Sorry, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. This has been <laughs> resized in Photoshop so I can print it as a canvas print, basically. There you go. Yeah. So good spotting there, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I because I, I produce some, um, I've produced this particular image as a canvas, I believe. So it was 60 inches tall by 90 inches wide. So in new money, what's that? Two meters by a meter and a half. So that's, that's yeah, big. Cool. And even though Canvas is very uh, forgiving, um, you still need to uh, get as much detail as you can in the actual print. So hence the, uh, the resolution change. Good you pick up, Jeff. You don't, you don't use like uh, gigapixel or whatever it is, those AI? Have done. Have done. Have, yeah. yeah, I have yeah. done. Um, particularly with, uh, so back when I first started shooting on an Olympus E300, remember those days, Cam? Um, I remember my Olympus E1. Well, there you go. Well, uh, E1 and E300 had the same chip. Um, eight, megapixel, eight megapixel little beauty. Yeah. Uh, uh, by chip, I mean sensor. And also the same uh, color processing um, engine as well. So, yeah. but the E300 was awesome, but it was eight megapixel. And I have actually got some photos that I still sell quite regularly. In fact, one that I just printed yesterday yeah. that was shot on my E300. So it's an eight megapixel. And they wanted that two meters wide. So, I do use software to bring my old photos up to modern day standards, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a good way. Um, Michelle Cox here has just said, how do you deal with monitor calibration to ensure uh, what you see on screen is what you would print? Now, for yep. me, I, I live, I, I've calibrated my monitor using, uh, I think it's called Spider or something like that. It's like a screen calibration that you can get like a little thing that sits on your screen and calibrates everything for you. And then I give it to my printer who then probably make sure it matches his calibration but for you brendan who does not only the photography side of things you shoot professionally but you also print professionally you're more uh qualified for that question yeah look i'm, I'm lazy i am very very lazy when it comes to monitor calibration i must admit um my monitors don't get calibrated anywhere near as much as they should however i have been printing photos for that long particularly my own stuff it'll i'll get through like the first you know, three inches of the print and I'll know that something's not right. Um, so then, you know, it might be a change. I might do a monitor calibration then. But generally speaking, we recommend you calibrate your monitor every probably three to six months. And the reason for that is monitors age. Now, let's go back a little bit. Hmm. What do I mean by calibrate your monitor? Well, basically what you want to be able to do is bring your monitor back to a standard calibration. In other words, um, something like if you send me an image, it looks the same on my screen as it does on yours. Now, the problem we have there, even though we may use an identical monitor calibration tool, they're never going to be the same. Um, no. It will be very, very rare. But don't get, <coughs> excuse me, don't get too hung up on it because generally speaking, if I print a photo, I'm going to get it within three, 4% of color accuracy. Um, it's one of those things where, you could uh, calibrate your monitor. I could calibrate my monitor at exactly the same time using exactly the same tool, but I'm operating under fluorescent lights and you're operating under daylight. Yeah. Now that can, that, that can affect how your image looks on your screen. Mm. So for really bulk jobs or big jobs that I've done in the past, I have been known to print a test strip for people and then literally mail them a test strip and say, this is how your gigantic canvas is going to look for color. Please check it. Generally speaking, it comes back, yep, that looks great. 
Um, really only do that for, for, as I say, big orders, big jobs, that sort of stuff, just to make sure it's right. The last thing I would want is, you know, it's all stretched, it's done, it gets delivered, hung on the wall, and they go, that looks nothing like it looked yeah. on my monitor. Yeah. So monitor calibration is important. Is it crucial for landscape photographers, particularly amateurs? Nah, not overly, but I would recommend. Um, I also do recommend maybe dropping a few bucks on a decent monitor. Yeah. Generally, monitors that are packaged up, particularly on in the PC land I'm talking about here, cheap monitors will generally let you down. Um, they age really quickly and the calibration needs to be done every few weeks. Yeah. Um, to bring it back to a standard, a baseline standard, and everyone's on the same page. And, and I guess also because you do print so much, like you're almost inadvertently or involuntarily, you're, you're calibrating your own eyes to your own equipment anyway. So you, you, you look at something that comes into you to print and you, you know straight away, well, the, the, the sky is never pink or the sky yep. is never green. You know, you can yep. sort of look at it and say, based on the screen I'm using, based on the printer I'm using, the paper I'm using, I know, look, that that's, you know, you know that, that just comes with experience, I guess. So. Yeah, it, it does. And it also talks to, um, so there's, there's monitor calibration, but there's also the correct uh, printing profiles. Mm. So we use ICC printing profiles, which basically... Um, so we can, we can print a color chart, just to keep it simple. We can print a color chart on a, let's say, for example, I start stocking a brand new canvas line. We can print a color chart on that. Then that can then go into a, for want of a better word, a uh, high res scanner. But yep. then it, uh, we use color checking software that actually will uh, then basically deliver me the right profile for that canvas or that kind of paper that I'm using on my printer. Yeah, so right. yeah. although, so I use the Epson Stylus 9800 Pro. Um, there's other people out there, I'm sure, have got that printer. It's an old printer, but it's a bloody workhorse. Um, just because I've printed it, you know, and I send you the photo and you've got the same printer, again, there's going to be discrepancies. Mm. Um, age of the printhead, um, again, the different lights that you're looking at. So in my shop where I print, particularly the big stuff, straight above it, I've installed two... Uh, uh, fluorescent lights that are set to skylight oh. so the the color temperature is actually skylight so if you ever come into my shop and look above my printer you'll see that the, the fluoro lights look different to the rest of the shop is that 5600 um, kelvins so i believe so nice. um, look at us dropping science words don't don't quote me on that but yeah it's something like that so okay. sorry long-winded we've lasted we've, we've, we've lingered on this photo too long let's have a look at one account <laughs> well Yes, feel free to still send questions through. We're having a good little chat in the background here. Uh, we've still got people watching. That's amazing. We're 30 odd minutes in and people are still watching. Hello, um, everyone. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you're all having a scotch or a no or a, a wine or something. <gasps> Cam, look at that. Yeah, so this is, um, I thought I'd share this photo. So for anyone that come, has came, come, I might came, <laughs> comes on my workshops. Um, that did not sound good at all. Um, Working for, blue on the wrong side of eight o'clock. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyone that uh, attended my workshops, you probably heard the story on, you know, it generally, it generally gets told because it's a bit of a story. It goes around the traps these days about how I got this photo and the, I guess the drama attached to the photo behind me. So um, so this photo is of Reynolds Falls. This is a, a pretty amazing waterfall about 20 kilometres west of Cradle Mountain. And it's it's a walk in there. It's generally an overnight walk that people do, um, but it's not necessarily a very well tracked trek trip or, or track. So it's a bit hard to follow in spots, but this shot is um, one that I wanted to put up because we, you know, I just wanted to show some photos that 
sort of meant more or had a bit of a story behind it. Um, and this one story behind it is that I ended up getting helicoptered out of this, um, out of this region. I, I twisted my knee on the way in and uh, we had a little bit of an adventure trying to get out, out on the helicopter. But um, talking about, you know, what, what sort of level do you go to get a shot? Now, everyone's at different levels, fitness wise and uh, confidence wise. And you know, myself, this I'll shot is um, oh, one that. I'll sorry, get, my bad. Getting feedback, Brendan. I hear myself. Sorry, that was completely my fault. It must be after eight o'clock. Um, yeah, so just talking about what levels we go to to get photos and everyone's at different fitness levels and adventure levels. But um, this is um, one that I'm sort of proud of, mainly because it was a really, really tough walk to get in there. And um, not only was it a tough walk to get in there, I did an injury and then we had to obviously put other people's lives at risk to get us rescued. We had to set off a, a GPS EPIRB type of thing um, that took the helicopter a while to find us um they couldn't see us in the canopy <laughs> it, it, was, it was just one disaster after another with this trip but it was the, a, i remember you telling me the story i was just like oh yeah <laughs> but the, the kicker the kicker to this shot was that they they picked us up out of the canopy on a winch so they did wow. a they did a 70 meter winch down through the canopy to pick us up and um they did three winch uh events one to pick me and the paramedic up one to pick me up. Um, oh, the, someone says that <laughs> their OCD is twitching. Move the cursor. Oh, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they did a winch, yeah, 70 meter winch down through the canopy. One for me and the paramedic, and one for uh, my friend who was just lucky enough to come along with me who got stuck in uh, the whole drama. And um, then uh, there was another one to get all our gear and stuff. And they actually, the winch actually failed in the helicopter. So we got out safely, but all our gear and all their medical gear was left in the forest for another six or seven days um, to get wet and waterlog for so long. Um, but in the end, to their credit, the, the paramedics uh, and the police rescue guy, Mick and Anthony, I doubt they're watching, but g'day if you are, um, they walked back in. They, they walked back in from Cradle Mountain to go get our gear because I was just so disappointed that their uh, helicopter winch and everything failed. But um, this is this shot to me is, is one of those ones where you're just like, wow, I'm so glad I got it. But geez, I guess the shit fight to get to it was really, really tricky. But um, I literally took, uh, if you went through my Lightroom files, I literally took about six shots of this waterfall. There is like where these rocks are in the foreground, there's literally about that same space where I'm standing. You can't really move anywhere. You've got one little spot to get a composition. And we just happened to have uh, Adrian and myself, Adrian is a good mate of mine. Um, we just happened to have enough room and enough sort of mist and water just to get that great shot. And then we just got our butts out of there and tried to get back up the hill. And then, you know, the knee just gave way and stuff. So it made for a really, really long uh, trip and uh, a lot of funny stories, but um, just shows what you sort of, um, you sort of go through to get shots but um yeah so that's that's what it is uh, for those who want to know what the settings are on this one um it was shot on the olympus em1 mark ii with the 12 mil f2 lens so anyone that's shooting olympus the little 12 mil f2 lens is such a sharp lens it is an absolute cracker of a lens um like i've shot all different brands through my life um and I recently was lucky enough to own a, a Leica 21 mil, similar sort of focal length. Uh, you know, we're talking a four, $5,000 lens versus maybe a thousand dollar lens. And the Olympus holds up every time. It's an incredible lens. So, um, but it was a really light kit. Then that's why I had to take a light kit to get in there because I didn't want to take much gear. 
So um, we, we've had a we've had a little question come through about your photo, and um, oh. see, I'm I'm doing the questions now. Huh? Look at me I, go. I, I saw you commenting even. That's great. Yes. Um, uh, now, forgive me. Uh, Panya, Panaya, P-A-N-I-A, Panya. Yep. I uh, hope you gave them a copy of the photo referring to your rescuers. Well, I, I did one better. They didn't get a copy of the photo. Oh no! But, but they got a very. So what happened is when we got back off the helicopter. Uh, we obviously had all our gear back in there that these guys had to go get. Um, they rang their big boss in Hobart from Cradle Mountain and the big boss pretty much just said, look, it's not worth us going in to get it. Uh, so they, they, they obviously committed to walk in and got it. They got paid triple time. They made sure that they got paid triple time to go get it. Um, but before they went in, I, their, their rescue centre is actually just down the road from me where they do all their training. And I went down and said, thanks very much again. And they said, all right, so we're going to walk in and get this. Uh, we we don't, mind, don't mind taking um, photographs, but how do we take photographs of waterfalls? So I actually gave them about a 30-minute crash course in how to take what, what settings to use, what, you know, what lens you didn't use. You didn't use the phrase crash course. I didn't though. use the phrase crash course. I gave them a quick uh, informational session. So they actually went in there and they drank the rest of our scotch that we had in our flask because that was still in our gear. Um, and they, got, they actually came back and they got some really, really lovely photos, but... Uh, no, I didn't give them a copy of it, um, but I did give them quite a few slabs of beer, which was their request. So they, they got out of it pretty well. But um, yeah, ama amazing spot. Um, not not well, for the faint-hearted to go to, but... No, and just to follow up, it's Parnia. Parnia. So Parnia, Parnia has just commented, like Narnia, but with a P. Where's, so, pa where's Parnia listening from? Is she uh, down Parnia she has free? not commented, but I reckon, give her a few seconds, she's going to tell us exactly where she mm. is. So we'll, we'll find we'll, out in a minute. While we're waiting for that, like I said, the settings on this one, it's uh, one and a half seconds, F11, ISO 100. So it's shot on a tripod. Uh, but if you're shooting waterfalls, I've found in my experience, there's a real sweet spot. And and I get I get a little bit uh, twitchy when people rock up to workshops and they've got, you know, 10 stop filters on and things like that. If you're shooting waterfalls and, and forests and things like that, you, you don't need two minutes of exposure with your, with your real big neutral density filters. I, I've found that with... 99% of my waterfall shots um, at one or two seconds is enough to get that beautiful flow. Um, and you may be up to four seconds is, is more than enough to get that beautiful flow where you get all that sort of, uh, you know, the bits of foam in the foreground and, and bits coming out there. So, you know, the difference between this and two minutes is not going to be noticeable. And the thing you run, the risk you run is when you're shooting really, really, really long exposures is that you get, you know, a lot of potential camera shake or you get, uh, you know, if there's wind or raindrops, as Anne, Anne was saying before about raindrops in your lens and things like that. So don't get sucked into the fact that you think you need to have tens and tens of seconds of exposure for waterfalls. You don't. You only need a good couple of seconds and yep. you'll be able to get really nice shots. But uh, I love waterfall photography. This is a, a part of a project I did. It was I was doing 52 waterfalls in 52 weeks in down in Tasmania when I moved down here. I gave myself a project. Unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, my wife got pregnant about 20 weeks in and I'm like, shit, I've got to get 52 waterfalls done in about 30 weeks. So I had to keep going a fair bit, but that's the story behind this shot. Uh, if you come on a workshop, I'll tell you, there's a lot more to that story, but um, just to, um, just to follow up, Pania is watching from lockdown Melbourne. Uh, Hello, Pania. Thanks. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, thanks yeah. for tuning in. Um, and yeah, I just want to back up what Cam was saying, uh, this whole long exposure thing. Um, I, it's cool. I love it for this particular, this, this shot right here that we're looking at at Cam's, 
that foreground is what it's all about. And quite often you'll see, I know, Cam, you were down at Hopeton Falls a couple of weeks ago, mm. one of my fantastic, my absolute prime places to shoot a, a waterfall. It's all about the foreground there. But you're exactly right. You do not need 20, 30-second exposures in these kind of situations. All you're doing then is running the risk of bumping your camera and stuffing the shot up completely. I really like seeing shots like this where you can clearly see the wind has moved the ferns and things. Um, so I put up my shot of Hopeton Falls a few years ago on some platform. I can't remember what it was now. And a couple of people said, oh, I, I hate that I can see the blur in the, in the, in the ferns. I was like, really? I, yeah, I, I, it sort of it took mm. me back a bit. I was like, what, what, what's, the, what's the issue with that? I mean, it's clearly of the water's moving and that's all blurred and that makes it look awesome. But each to their own, of course. But I, I, really, yeah. um, I really think that with shots like this, you can, you can literally do a half a second exposure and, and go from there. And, of course, this is the mm. beauty of digital is we can now get instant gratification, instant feedback. So we can take a shot. At half a second, see how that looks. Take a shot at one mm. second. Take a shot at one and a half. You can then, of course, uh, you, it's technically you're bracketing the images and you can stack them if you want to. That's that's another awesome thing about digital, of course, and, mm. and, and in Photoshop, stacking images, focus stacking. Um, but ex I, su I suppose, for want of a better phrase, you'd call that exposure stacking. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think... Um... I get that question a lot about the ferns and movement in foliage as well. And I'm the same as you. I, I don't mind the movement because waterfalls create um, energy, like they're, they're creating wind and energy. So to me, it actually adds to the photo that you can actually see, well, was this a really quiet waterfall or was it a really violent one? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it makes, it can make your photos look a bit different. So yeah, I um, love that one. Cool. We'll move on to the next one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this looks like a beauty. <clears throat> Hang on, let's pop it up now. I think you should see it there, Brins. So that that is one of mine. Um, this was this was done at Mungo National Park about six weeks ago. Um, there's a few reasons I wanted to throw this image up. One is it's far from the best image I've ever taken. Two, it's completely overprocessed. <laughs> <laughs> but. What I wanted, the reason I wanted to show this one is uh, this has got a lot to do with composition. So we get a lot of questions about comp. I get a lot of questions mm. about what makes good composition and image. Talk about your leading lines. Now, this is chaotic leading lines. So this is completely different to man-made structures, jetties, railway lines, bridges, that sort of stuff, that, that you know, parallel lines. This is all about uh, chaos. So that's all natural erosion in the foreground. And we are standing here in an absolutely ancient landscape. Um, so now this image was shot well after sunset. And I'm talking like ridiculously after sunset. Now that hence the reason why it's shot at 1600 ISO. Uh, it was also, um, I, I'm pretty sure it was tripod mounted from memory. Well, it would have been you now one fiftieth of a second. Now you'll forgive me because again, the sunset was crazy. The sunset is actually behind me and the sky was lighting. It was like that double sunset thing that we've talked about before, Cam, where mm. you think the show is over and then out of nowhere, facing away from the sunset, the, the sky lights up. Uh, yeah. Bizarre. And it does yeah. happen. But um, this was this, this whole, just being a part of this landscape, I didn't care if I got photos or whatever, but the compositions were just going off left, right and centre to the mm. point where, again, I was running around like an absolute lunatic. I was like, oh, man, where, where's the best composition for this? 
but this really worked. <laughs> I really, really loved the the erosion that you can see here. So yeah. you can also see um, this was a rush edit. So I just picked it out randomly tonight. Yeah. I've probably yeah. got better ones, but you can see there's a lot of noise happening top right, which I haven't quite taken care of. It's a work in progress, but um, yeah. I, I just, if you, if anyone gets the chance, put Mungo National Park near the top of your list for Australian landscape uh, photography. It's absolutely stunning. Well, it's funny you say that because I am putting, I just called Jeff. I just wrote a message to Jeff, but I called him Geoff. Sorry, Geoff. G'day, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Um, so it's funny you say that. Mungo National Park, I went to Mungo. I was literally a child, like six or seven years old. I went there as a family trip. But it's on my list to do because it's actually one of the world heritage areas, one of the nat natural world heritage of Australia. And I'm trying to put together a world heritage, natural world heritage series of workshops around Australia over the next sort of three to five years. But Mungo, I haven't been there as a photographer. Um, I've been there on holidays, but I just love, like I said, the leading lines and all the details in there. And, and that's interesting. You look at um, this shot and obviously you've composed it how you would compose it. I guess that tree in the middle is maybe like what a bit of an anchor that you're using for this shot. Um, but it's funny how we all look at different things. Like I look at the little ridge lines on the right-hand side of the frame around here as a maybe leading line, or even this sort of dead bush in the bottom right. Like it's amazing how different everyone looks at different photos, but it's that's got so much potential, that region. Like that shot there, you could do 40 shots in about two metres of each other. It's incredible. Yeah, which which I did. And, mm -hmm. and and that you're right, that, that tree, it's at the top, center now have a have a guess at how tall that tree is at the end yeah the one in the middle top, top uh, middle. look it's got to be 20 meters high maybe that tree is six feet tall right okay so that that gives you a bit of perspective as to the, the it's almost like a micro landscape here um yeah. but this angle that i chose and of course the wide angle 10 mil lens that i used ps this was shot on a canon 700d at 10 mil um, so hey, there you go. See, I I, I shoot whatever I want to grab. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This is a Canon shot, uh, and an old Canon at that too. Yeah. I don't even know why I, I took that, but it. I've got the Sigma ten to twenty for both Canon and Nikon. So, yeah. um, which and as I say, I, I love that lens. So yeah, it's, um, a, it's a it's an incredible spot. And yeah, yeah, it's it's mental, man. Like if if yeah. you any if if you get the chance, just do yourself a favor. Yeah, and it's one of those spots as well, I think you mentioned it before, is that um, time of day would be quite crucial for these things because especially desert settings and sort of outback settings, you, you start to get a lot more of that in, incredible colour, that uh, that sort of low saturated colour that Australian outback has and deserts have sort of right at the end of the day, right at the start of the day. I, I doubt you'd shoot this kind of location middle of the day with the sun blazing down. It'd be super high contrast, but... Having yep. said that, you could probably do some really interesting black and white during the middle of the day and switch back the color again. Yeah. Another benefit of digital, you can just switch between color on, color off. Well, a bit more to the story as well. We we sort of we went to Mungo knowing that half of the uh, the big loop around was um, was closed. So there's a, there's a one way drive that goes all the way around the national park, and half of it had been sh uh, shut down because they had heavy rain. And it actually exposed a new, that they didn't know was there, a new Aboriginal midden that was there mm. that happened to be buried under the bloody road. Right. So they're now in the process of rerouting the road and apparently they've got to reroute it a good couple of kilometres. So yeah. they had it all closed for, for, for very good reason. But we sort of got to where the gates were 
and padlocked and we can't go any further. So we just parked there and it would happen to be close to sunset. Mm. Just went for a little wander. And we are probably 500 metres away from the car park here and just stumbled on this. And we couldn't believe it. Like it was mm. just, just amazing. So uh, when I say we, I went out there with my brother-in-law, Pete. I uh, hope you're listening, Pete. Uh, he's a very, very keen amateur photographer as well. And, and uh, between him and me, I think we shot about a thousand shots of this one sunset and then came back again the next night because we just knew that we were onto an absolute winner. So mm. uh, yeah, that's like Mungo folks, get amongst it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's pretty impressed with that. Uh, Jeff Weber said it, infrared would be a good choice up there as well, which absolutely infrared would be. I, I, and that's a, probably something we might touch down at one of our episodes coming up. I've actually contemplated getting one of my digital cameras, my older ones, converted to infrared just to, um, yeah, it'd be pretty cool, I reckon. So That's very cool. And uh, thank you for your nice comments. Mm. Um, all right, we'll go to the next one. This, this story, I, I, a lot of people have seen this photo. I'm not, I'm not showing off, but I sort of am showing off. Um, but the story behind this photo for me is one of laziness and pure ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you, you can really just, just really get lucky. So as, as everyone would know, this is the Southern Lights or the Aurora Australis of, of, of Australia, um, which we see in the Southern skies here. Uh, you see it better in Tasmania. You can see it from the mainland south at Phillip Island and Wilson's Prom and things like that. I've actually and Ocean Grove. Ocean Grove. I've actually even seen <laughs> shot. I've seen shots from Mount Buffalo of yep. auroras. Um, but to me, this shot is not necessarily about the aurora. Uh, this was just the end result of a whole heap of uh, lucky uh, choices and and laziness. So <clears throat> down here in Tasmania, this was taken. I don't even know. Two thousand and oh, I've lost it again. Wow, what a great photo of Mungo. <laughs> 2015. Um, so back in 2014 to 2016, um, the way the um, auroras work and the, the, the explosions off the sun that create the auroras, they go through like seasons. They go through high seasons and low seasons. And between 2014 to 16, we had just nonstop auroras down here in Tasmania all the time. So... Um, what uh for, for months it was literally no sleep you're up out at night get home at three or four in the morning get up to work go to work the next day next day you get another warning big aurora came out this time i said to my wife after a while lisa i said look i'm over chasing these auroras there's so many people out there i'm getting no sleep i'm going to work the next day with my eyes on my cheeks i said bugger it you know what i've seen i've shot enough i've seen enough i'm pretty happy with what i got i've got a nice little sort of gallery of what's going on and this was actually a late, this was actually in December. It was almost near Christmas. And it was a really, really warm, balmy night. We had this beautiful sort of northerly down here, northerly wind, and um, which is, you know, unusual for here to be really warm. Uh, anyway, I was sitting on the couch and sitting on the couch at sort of six or seven o'clock at night. And um, Lisa's like, uh, well, actually, it was a bit later than that. I think this file's been redone. I think the, the time on this says 9.36, but I think it was a lot later than that. So it's probably from when it was edited. And I was sitting on the couch and it must've been after dark. And, and Lisa said, oh, gee, it's really going off on Facebook. There's lots of people going out to shoot the Aurora. I'm like, nah, not bothering. <laughs> Cannot be asked. Getting off the couch, getting in the car, going somewhere. And she turned around and showed me a photo of someone's back at camera screenshot that most people put up. And it was, it was going off. It was huge. It was a massive, like the Aurora's we get down here in the South aren't like the Northern Hemisphere where they're literally overhead. This one was overhead. So, um, I said to her, I said, look, I've always thought about going to the tessellated pavement, which is another amazing photographic spot in Tassie 
uh, for dawn uh, or sunsets. So I've always thought about going down there, but I reckon there'll be people everywhere. And she's like, just go, see how you go. You know, so I got in the car about 10 o'clock, about an hour to drive down to the Tasman Peninsula on the way to Port Arthur. And I pull up at this car park. I'm like, there's not a car in sight. I'm like, how lucky is this? This is incredible. You know, there's not a single person here. I've got this idea that I can maybe get the reflections of the, the, the water and the tessellated pavement. So it's about a five minute walk down, walk down along the, the ocean track and you go down these stairs and I come around and you can literally walk on the, on the rocks. You can walk all on this pavement, no problems. And I walk down there and there's these two guys in deck chairs, like just literally deck chairs laid back, drinking cans of whatever, smoking things of whatever. Uh, and it looked like the guys at a ZZ top. Like they just had, <laughs> they just literally had like beards down to here, hair everywhere. And I was sitting there smoking a couple of joints and drinking. And I walked down, I'm like, oh, okay, right. There's people here. And they're like, what are you doing here, man? I'm like, oh, I thought I'd just come down and take a photo. Oh, sit up here. Do you want a drink? Do you want a spliff? You know, whatever. Do you want to, do you want to join in? I'm like, I'm good. I think I'm just going to move a bit to the right and go a bit higher and, and shoot down into this uh, little reflection here. And you, you, you certainly would have gone higher. I would have gone higher, absolutely. <laughs> um, but they were like the nicest two guys, like just sitting there. I don't know. There must have been locals because there was no car there. And uh, they were sitting there and they were just taking it in and really enjoying the nice. It was really warm and balmy. But this was the biggest aurora I've ever seen down in Tasmania. And a little thing, I, like I, the, the degree I did in uni back, back in RMIT in Melbourne, we did a lot of things about the science of photography and how it works and how light reacts and things like that. And the one thing that always stuck with me was part of the physics element of photography was the angle of incidence equals the angle of reflection. So the angle that the light's hitting your reflective surface, it reflects out at the same angle. So if I actually shot this at normal height or a bit lower, it would have skimmed across this water and I would have just got mainly just those clouds and the, the shadow of the mountain in the background. So I actually had to find a, quite a high spot on these pavements and they sort of lay it up. And I was literally shooting. It was almost like a 45 degree shot, like pointing my lens straight down at these, these water uh, patterns on the, on the pavement there, just so I can get the reflection of the color in there and I walked away and I, I, I literally took about 12 shots and I just looked at the back of the camera like I'm not getting any better than that I was there for 15 minutes I said I'm not getting any better than I'm going back home and I got home and Lisa's like oh that was quick you know wasn't any good what happened and I just showed her off the back of the camera she's like oh wow okay that, that's incredible so it was just pure luck uh, a little bit of laziness getting a kick up the bum to get off the couch but the one thing I learned about this is if you're shooting sunrise or sunsets or if something's important that's happening in that reflective light, just try and be a bit higher or be a bit lower and just see what different perspective, you know, you'll be surprised what you can actually get. And, and don't be afraid if you're shooting wide angle, don't be afraid to sort of shoot more down so you get more of that perspective instead of just skimming straight across. So um, this photo went incredibly stupid online the next morning. Um, and I've sold, I know, I know Kay who's listening, um, she's got a copy on her wall, uh, still needs to be framed apparently. Um, but this is, this is almost like my, this is my kangaroo hopping across the water shop. Um, yeah. What, what are you talking about? As the, the one that you've got, the, the Jesus kangaroo, as you call it. Um, but it was just one of those ones where it was just, okay, I made the effort. I was being lazy, but it was just pure luck. There was no real skill involved apart from that angle of the light. Um, the rest was just luck. Yeah, it's it's absolute banger, mate. You've done really, really well there. And um, the the question I've got, I don't know if there's questions coming from people, but the question I've got is, um, one, what have you got the exposure details on that? I do. Sorry, yeah. Um, 
It is 15, sec- 15 seconds at F2.8 ISO 100. Okay. okay. So given that that's a 15-second exposure, yep. um, what did that look like to the naked eye? And that's, that's, that's the one thing I actually get asked a lot is, oh, surely it didn't look like that. Out of camera, all, all I've done with editing this, I've brought the foreground shadows up just a little bit, not, like, not heaps, just a little bit. And adding a bit of contrast has just added all that color in off the, off the raw file. So to me, what it looked like was, it just looked like a, a million spotlights all pointing up at the sky. Yeah. And all, all those beams actually sort uh, of- they, it, it looks amazing. The, the, the shafts yeah. of light up the top are underrated. I think that I, I get the tessellated pavement thing, yeah. but really, which looks great, but the, 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 that sky- that, that yeah, mate, that, that's me, absolutely and, 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 unbelievable. And, and it's funny you say that because everyone says to me how you know, the reflections are really nice, and I'm the same as you. I like the the actual gradient of purple in that top part of the the sky is is just incredible. So um, yeah. all, all I've done with this one is when I've edited, I've just brought the shadows up in that foreground a bit, added a bit of contrast, and like really not much at all. It was just, but over like it actually kept going. Like it was I. I like that shot at um, seven mil, which is the equi- a fourteen mil equivalent. Um, but I could have shot it. I did some vertical shots as well, where those beams even go higher out of frame. So it was the biggest aurora I've seen, and a lot of people captured it. Um, but I was just super lucky that no one went down there. And whether or not people had thought of that idea or not, like I said, pure ass. But I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> no, absolutely, mate. That's 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 great. It's a great story too, and it's it's. Uh... Another example of a hard-earned landscape photo. So well yeah. done. Um, we have ticked past eight o'clock, so that means I should move on to the alcoholic ginger beer. Right. Um, well, so well, I'm going to bring up the next shot, which is one of yours, and I'm just going to quickly mute myself to go get some more ice slash mixer. Okay. Um, feel free to keep asking questions, guys. Uh, we've still got twenty odd people watching, which is awesome. Um, make sure you share this around to your friends. If you're sitting online and it's a Sunday night, we're all locked down. We might as well. well I'm locked down. Most and just, just so, you, Cam, you can go. I'll take, I'll take it. I've got it. Take from over. Here. I'll, I'll okay. mute and refill. So um, there it is. So what I was going to say was we're, we're only really going to talk about a couple more photos. So if you're um, wondering how long we're going to wrap it on for, we probably will wrap this up um, probably just short of 8.30. So uh, 8.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time, of course. So, um, so this photo here. Uh, this is also shot at my local beach here in Ocean Grove. Um, for those of you who don't know where Ocean Grove is, um, if you know where Geelong is in um, just out of, uh, about an hour west of Melbourne, and then you head basically due south out of Geelong and you come, well, southeast, I guess, south, southeast, and you come to Ocean Grove. Um, so the lighthouse that you can see in the distance there is the Point Lonsdale Lighthouse. Um, so Point Lonsdale is about uh, six or seven kilometres around the coast as the crow flies. So the reason I wanted to show this photo um, was this is an example of a landscape photo that's been shot with a zoom lens. So this image was shot, uh, as you can see, top left, this was shot with uh, at 300 millimetres. So it's with a um, 70 to 300 lens. And um, I shot this on a Nikon D7000. This was shot quite some time ago. You're this a, was actually- you're sh- a, this- I'm, back, I'm back, by the way, but you're a bit of a camera whore, aren't you? I am, I am. <laughs> I, um, the best camera is the one you've got on you. And I've got uh, a lot of different uh, setups, but generally speaking, I grab whatever's closest. And in this case, this was the Nikon D7000. 
Um, but yeah, this is an example of using a zoom lens to capture a landscape. So um, it was one of those things that was shot directly into the sun, which of course everyone says, oh, you shouldn't take photos directly in the sun. What a load of rubbish that makes fantastic silhouettes. And in this case, I happen to have the dude on the board. Now, if you, uh, I don't know, Cam, can you zoom in on the guy on the board? Yeah, I can do anything, mate. It took me forever to realise that he's holding a paddle. Oh, he is too. Yeah, right. like, right. and, and I mean a couple of years of right. selling this image before someone said, uh, you realise he's on a stand-up paddleboard. Or an axe. Like, oh, wow. Maybe yeah. it's an axe. Could be, but I'd somehow, it could be a shovel, but I think it's a, I think it's a paddle. Yeah. Um, thank you. You can zoom back out now. Sorry, um, I'm multitasking. <laughs> oh, you, you're unreal. You're unreal. Um, and I've had this shot, this shot on display at my shop on numerous occasions, and again, been very fortunate enough to have sold this a few times in some really big canvases. One of which is hanging on my wall, which I sold to myself. Hope I got a discount. And you sold to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, point being, I had it up on the wall at the shop, and I have had. Three people swear black and blue that is them on the stand-up paddleboard. All right, there you go. Two of them must be lying. So uh, hello to those people who are who are telling porkies. That's not you. You could be the other dude. There's another dude off to the right of that dude. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to the photography side of it. Uh, I was actually out. Um, this was when my daughter was quite young. She was in the pram. I was out, you know, with babies. They, they don't sleep very much and they're up at all hours. So out um, with her. Uh, took the stroller down to the beach, had my camera big gear on my backpack, laid the backpack down on the sand, grabbed out the big lens, zoomed in on the lighthouse and then saw these guys coming past on these waves. So I thought, well, this is going to work. And I just love that, again, there's, there's the lines, the intersecting lines, that sort of stuff that worked really well. While I was taking this photo, took a couple of shots, looked down just in time to see my daughter unloading a handful of sand straight into my camera backpack. <laughs> awesome. So that? that was that was great, mm -hmm. um, and my one of my zoom lenses never sounded the same again when I zoomed it. Was it that like beautiful a beautiful crunching, crunchy? Yeah, yeah. G so crunk, crunk, crunk. Pretty much, it was a very crunchy sound. But anyway, thanks, darling. Mm. That was very, very kind of you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just and there's there's other. If you can zoom in again, Cam, yes. close to the lighthouse. Just go in a couple of. Uh, too yeah. far? Now, see, see slightly to the right on the right-hand side now, you can see a black mark. Is that a spider? It is a dragonfly. Wow. How do you use dragonfly? Because <laughs> they were everywhere. There was a lot of oh, dragonflies right. around. Uh, when there, there was another one in the scene, but I cloned it out. Of course, missed that, say, this one. Do you want me to fix it? it? No, no, it's fine. It? No, I know a bloke. <laughs> yeah. oh, here we go. Look at this. This is this. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. I yeah, was hoping you'd make it bigger. That's heaps better. No, I want it bigger. <laughs> we, want to, we, want, we want to cool it down a bit. Whoa. We want to contrast it up. Sorry, I'm just, I'll reset everything. We'll put the dragonfly back. Sorry, my bad. That's that's um, that's that's uh, borderline vandalism. Can you stop that, please? <laughs> <laughs> but P.S., this photo was shot in colour. This is not a black and white photo, so this was shot in pure colour. Um, but it, being shot into the sun, um, uh, it, it came out very monochromatic. Cam, while you were out, I did tell people that we're probably going to wrap this up uh, at cool. about sort of 20 past eight-ish. So, yeah, sure, um, we've got 10 minutes left, right. Yeah, yep. So um, anyway, that's that photo. Hope you like it. Over to yep. you, Cam. Cool. I'll just say, Ash, your mate Ash Hughes made a really good point about shooting landscapes with telephotos and things like that. And um, yeah, I think it's always good if you're at a, a really cool location 
you know, every, everyone gets sort of sucked into that wide angle view, but put your long lens on. There's always landscapes within landscapes and then more landscapes and stuff like that. Uh, all right, we'll go, to, we'll go to my last image. Um, which one will I go to? I had a couple here. We'll You're showing off now. No, no, we'll go this one. Um, this, I this, love, I love this. This, this, this. Sorry, I'm going to put in my two cents real quick. This is simple, simple, and a classic use of negative space, I suppose, at the top. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's something about this image that works really well. This, this to me, um, and it's always hard as a photographer to pick the image that you like best. But this to me is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, image I've ever taken. Mainly wow, big, big call. Yeah, it is. And and the reason, there's a couple of reasons behind it. Um, one, it, one, it was just one of those places. It's just one of those places. So this is this is Lake Pedder. So this is in the south, southwest of Tasmania. Now, Lake Pedder is quite controversial and still is at the moment because it was flooded for hydro use back in the 70s. There was actually a smaller lake that had um, like this beautiful pink quartz beach. And it was a really, it was called the Jewel to the Southwest. Um, but what uh, and it's actually just located around this corner so the old old actual old lake is around the corner up there but the reason why this photo to me um sort of speak, speak speaks a lot to me is because there was no one there it was absolutely no one but myself and my camera and this incredible nature uh, rep representing itself in front of me and i was actually shooting the complete opposite way now talking of what ash mentioned before about uh, long lenses. This is actually shot, I'm pretty sure it's shot at 150 mil. So this is a 300 mil equivalent shot. Um, and I was shooting the other way. So if you face the opposite way to here, you have all the Western Arthurs, which funnily enough is where all these mountains are um, looking the other way. So it's an incredible location, but I was shooting that way. And I, I just, I don't know what made me do it. I just turned around to have a look. Uh, and another tip is if you had a location, always do a 360 degree look, have a look around what's going on. Um, and as I turned around, the sun was going down and it was just this rain shower coming through and um, all this color was just orange and beautiful, beautiful color. And um, I just took a couple of snaps. And when I went back and edited it, um, added a little bit of color to a bit of warmth. Um, but to me, it's, it's just a really, it's one of those special moments where I know for hundred percent for a fact that I was the only person on this planet that saw that shot. And I think that's something that photography can really, really, drive home to people. And that's what I think we spoke in one of the early episode, episodes we did was that it can be a real um, mental health uh, um, cure really to get out there with a camera and just go and get some fresh air, see some beautiful things. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in any dark place or anything like that with this shot, but it was just the fact that I knew that no one else on this planet was seeing what I was seeing at that very time, because it is very, very remote out there. Um, and then the fact that also the original Lake Petter is just around the corner, it was almost like a bit of a telling a story that, you know what, the beauty, the beauty of this lake is still actually around that corner. It's not the whole area. Um, so yeah, I, I really love this shot. It's one of my favorites, if not my favorite shot I've taken. Um, and it was at 300 mil, which goes against the grain of landscape photography. Um, so yeah, just thought how, I'd put it how, how cool is it that our last two photos, we didn't compare notes, Mm. Our last two photos were both done with 300 mil zoom lenses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just goes to show that um, it's not all about the super wide angle stuff. Um, I'm with yeah. you, Cam. It is an absolutely stunning image. I, it's one of my favourites of yours that you've taken yeah. as well. Don't know that it's my number one of yours, but mm. um, well, I, I do. I, I mean, it's definitely in the top five, but it's, uh, it's a cracker. At, at the moment as well, um, which gets um, announced next month, it's actually... 
shortlisted in the Australian Geographic uh, Photographer of the Year awards as well. So, and I don't enter, I don't enter many awards because I don't like really awards. I think I think awards can be just as good as they can be bad. So I don't, I don't like entering them, and I'd rather be a yeah. judge than than enter stuff. But if you're going to enter it into anything Australian Geographic, you, yeah. you want to do a, something reputable. That's right. Yeah. So fingers crossed. You know that there's some incredible images in that shortlist. So go check them out at the Australian Geographic site. But um, but like to me, you know, photography has always been a bit of a getaway for me when I started shooting many many years ago when you and I first met. You know, it was a release. Like you know, working in Melbourne city, you know, going through all the, the you know the joys of growing up and things like that. I used to go away up to Mount Buffalo and Victoria, uh, northeast Victoria, and just go shoot rolls of film and it was always a getaway and it still is. And I think for most people that are watching and probably like our channel, I think it's the same. It just represents a bit of me time and, you know, and na mother nature will reward you. If you need to go out and take some time off, she'll generally put on something pretty cool. Oh, we're, we're definitely, I would say we're preaching to the choir, but I, I think you're exactly right. And the, the buzz that I still get uh, every time, doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's almost like, and I'm assuming you're the same cam. It's almost like as soon as I put the camera in my hands, I start to see things differently. Um, yeah. You know, as an example, I used to, I used to run a lot of markets. And when I started out, I was shooting, uh, I was living up in Southeast Queensland at Noosa and I, I was doing the Yamundi markets up there. Mm. Um, this is years ago. Like I'm talking last century and um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how old I am. And we, uh, you know, we, I'd have photos of the Noosa Heads National Park on display. And I, a lot of comments I got was, oh, where, where's that? I've, that's not in the National Park, is it? And it's like, okay, you've gone and done the National Park walk, but did you really look? And when you're a photographer you, and you take your camera and, and you're looking for compositions and you're looking for the beauty because the beauty is what you want to capture, mm. you see the beauty. And that, and that, that is so, um, you get connected with your landscape. Yeah. You, you, get, uh, you, you get a high out of it and uh, nothing else I've done in life compares to the highs I get when the moment's happening and I know I'm capturing it inside that camera. So yeah. 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 And in terms of your, your reference to mental health, 100%. Um, yeah. and, and again, I've been fortunate enough not to been in many dark places in my life, but I know that if I was, I could always turn to my photography and it would definitely help. So um, yeah, I think, awesome. um, I think one thing, again, this will be another like, before Brendan and I put on this show, we had a good chat, you know, weeks into the lead up to it. And we have got topics galore that him and I can talk about until the cows come home because we have been around for a little while. We, we know that we know the industry really, really well, but things have changed a lot in the last 10 years. And we talk about, you know, getting out there and really enjoying it and experiencing nature. A topic of a podcast that we will do at some stage is, you know, we just look at some of these people that are coming through and taking photographs. A lot of the Instagrammers that are coming through and social media people they spend two seconds at a location, get the classic shot, happy with it and move on. The photography is a whole process. It's not just clicking the shutter and getting likes. It's about the journey of getting there. It's about exploring. It's about experiencing and it's about taking your time. And, you know, I, I get really frustrated sometimes these days where I see people rock up. Uh, they literally take a photo for two seconds, get in their car and go. And it's on Instagram five minutes later you know, saying how they love the region. Oh, this is an amazing spot. I had such a good time and they haven't even scratched the surface. So photography should be an experience and it should be about exploring and hopefully through our show and our podcast that, you know, we're, we're sort of starting to drive that home that there should be a lot more passion involved with what you do and which I'm sure there is, but you know, 
Absolutely. So um, very, very well put. Um, so I guess um, we might uh, we might call it quits for the night, uh, unless you've got anything else you need to watch. We've still, we've still got 20, 23 people watching. We could maybe do, if you want, like a 10-minute questions and answers maybe. I don't know. Let's go to 8.30 sure. maybe. I've got a full glass yep. of scotch still. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I know Ash, um, Ash was asking about, in Tassie, where would you go to get some really coast, good coastal shots? Well, the easy answer to that would be um, the Tarkine. And I'll see if I can just bring up, maybe just to show him a shot. We did it. I did a little Zoom session the other night with some people's photos. But if you want to see a coastline that is off the charts incredible, Ash, um, get out to the Tarkine, which is the northwest coast of Tasmania. Um, and it's called uh, the Tarkine region. So it's anywhere from, this is called Sarah Ann Rocks, this location. And you've got literally four or five kilometers and just, just this section alone of these incredibly jagged, like just incredibly dinosaur period type of rocks. Um, and the whole coastline is, is set like that. So if you ever need to go and you want to get some really, really dramatic coastline and sometimes, and I kid you not, there will be waves that go over these rocks on the West coast when they get some wild weather it gets, um, it gets really, really wild there. So definitely one to check out if you come into Tassie as well. Nice one, Cam. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> look, I've been dead set keen to get myself down to Tassie, you know, forever. But of course, you know, life running two shops and having a young family and all that stuff does get in the way. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll definitely get there. And uh, I'd, I'd also... Um, Love to be able to go out with you down there, Cam, so you, yeah. can, you can show me the ropes and show me what uh, the different spots around Tassie. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, I guess for me, in the meantime, it's going to be all about continuing to chase my part of the world, which is, uh, mm. you know, the Ballerine Peninsula and uh, yeah, the Great Ocean Road and those sort of places. Yeah. I've just seen Cheryl there. Hello, Cheryl. Just jumped on. Um, or oh, maybe you've been watching the whole time in secret. I'm not too sure. Uh, but Cheryl came on one of the Tarkine workshops with me. Uh, not long ago, and uh, I know she was blown away. And just just to top off the Tarkine, the northwest of Tassie, you got that kind of coastline. Thirty minutes inland, you've got the one of the largest, last remaining cool temperate forests in the world, and it's incredible. Um, you just cannot go wrong with the Tarkine. You don't have to come with me. Go explore it on your own. Um, happy to give you some tips of where to go, um, but it is an incredible place. And yeah, Brens, you got to get down here. We need. We're well overdue to do a shoot together. I, I don't even yeah. know if we've even actually been out shooting together, have we? See, we haven't, and and it'll be, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. Again, we, we talked about worlds colliding in the last episode where, mm. you know, the, the different techniques we have, it would actually, I think, be quite fascinating to have both of us shooting the same scenes at the same time and seeing what we come up with. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, is it is it biggest tripod gets the gets the main spot or what, how does that work? Oh, Rock, you know, scissors. I'll What's tell you the, what. Here's a little secret. For what what is the etiquette? <laughs> Here is the secret etiquette that I use, um, and I, I do this through my workshops and uh, even when I go out and shoot with shoot with mates, is I let everyone else set up first. I just I just linger at the back, and and Cheryl says she's been lurking the whole way in the back. I do a bit the same when I'm out shooting. It's just like you know, sit back. Let's see what everyone else looks up. And I, I use it as a bit of a challenge. Like, okay, everyone's got their compositions and their locations. Um, all right, how, how can I do better than this? Or how can I get something more interesting? Or where can I go? So a lot of times when I run workshops, I, I rarely get my camera out, which most people can agree to, until everyone else is set up shooting their shots. You know, it's all about you guys getting your shots. Um, but I always just look, and it's really interesting um, to see where people do 
actually set up and uh, what they see. And, and that's another joy and the beauty of photography is that everyone sees something different. And when we're, when we're looking at photos and people want to critique photos and things like that, there is no such thing as a bad photo because everyone's got their own inter interpretation of what looks good or what sort of spoke to them at the time. So, but I, I love, yeah, it'd be good going out with you, mate, and um, set up a few shots. And if you've got a big tripod, that's fine. You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I know how much you hate tripods, but the, the other and to, to your point, absolutely, what you, what you just said hit the nail on the head. A lot of people that I interact with, particularly when I'm printing photos, they're not going out there to shoot an award-winning photo. They're not going out there to put a photo in their gallery that they're running. No. They're going out there to capture a scene um, that they've put themselves in, that they've loved to visit, for example, or, or they've holidayed there, or they, you know, they just, it becomes a really personal thing. And Believe me, as much as Cam and I love people buying our photography, I get a real kick out of printing fo big photos and canvases of your own photos because that's that's way more rewarding, I think, and and uh, certainly makes a fantastic talking point in your house as well. Hey, yeah, I took that photo. I mean, that that that, that that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, so get out there, take photos, um, and and a, and a tip I love to give to people is, you know, when people talk to me about buying gear and I want to get this camera. I want to get this lens. It's like, okay, you don't because you've got great gear in your hands already. How about you spend that money on a workshop? You spend that money on getting to that location. So, you know, you want to drop 1500 bucks on a lens that's pretty similar to the one you've got in your bag already. Well, yeah. take that 1500 bucks, go get yourself an Airbnb down the Great Ocean Road and get yourself into these locations, get up for the sunrise and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's worth way more than you know yeah. than just buying that new gear for the sake of it. So, well, I think something to keep in mind as well. Your analogy the other week about your golf, you know, you can you can <laughs> buy you can buy the best set of golf clubs, and you're not going to win the U.S. Open. It's the same no. as like you know, just thinking you know, if you want to learn how to play guitar or piano, you don't just go buy a guitar and piano and just pick it up and learn how to play. You yeah. generally you generally get lessons or you watch sessions on YouTube or whatever it is. But nothing beats practice. Um, no, and that's what I always say to people is. You know, come on a workshop, you know, catch up, go on a trip, whatever. Just keep practicing, practicing, practicing. Don't don't buy into too much of what other people are doing. If you find that you're finding your own little style and enjoying what you're doing, stick to it. Just improve it and stick to it. Um, I see a lot of people that, you know, their, their style changes week by week, depending on who they look on YouTube or who they watch on, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you know, these these things that we, Brendan and I are running, it's not about trying to, to shape you as a photographer that looks like us. It's all about you just really enjoying your own journey and, and getting your own photos that you're happy with and, you know, just experiencing the whole world of photography that, that him and I have loved, you know, for 20 years. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think with that, um, have we got any more questions, Cam? Or are we uh, just to... looking through everyone's, everyone's, everyone's just hanging around. They're good. Um, everyone, what have we got here? Everyone's enjoying the live. I think Davey uh, just said, love this yeah, live I episode. That. I would like if you could do some more live stream episodes. Well, I, I had a thought, Brendan, and I know that's sort of once a week, but um, and and very dangerous. <laughs> I, now, hold I, on to your hats, man. Hold on to your hats, folks. <laughs> this is going to be good. Well, I, I did a session the other night with um, some customers, I guess you would call them, um, and I think Tara was on it as well, who's listening in. Um, that I, I did like a live editing session, like you know, people sent their photos into me, and and I, you are aware of that, um, and we did a, like a live editing session. So. We, we could definitely, I'm, I'm more up for doing live sessions and getting that real-time interaction 
along along with sort of having our topical podcasts and stuff like that. So yeah. and 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 folks, this has not been one big setup or anything like that to get you to come and no. do one of our workshops or anything or what Cam just suggested there. We are evolving the Down South Photo Show as it happens. So we love your feedback. We love uh, ideas that come through. We've got a lot of ideas on where we can possibly take the whole Down South Photo Show concept. Um, we, we love the name. We love uh, the fact that we get to interact. And tonight's been awesome because we're interacting live with you guys. I mean, this is nothing I've ever done before. It's brilliant that we've got this technology uh, to be able to do this. Um, it's also very, very cool that Ash Hughes keeps giving me updates on the football. Yeah, I so. just saw that. <laughs> That's brilliant. I, I, like, I, I haven't met Ash, but I like him already. Ash, Ash is a lovely, lovely guy. Um, he's also a very good customer of mine. So I guess what else would I say? Ash, Ash can you put can you put your website or your your handle? Do in it. There? Yeah, I want to. I want to do go it check because because this, this this guy's got some fantastic photography, particularly from the surf coast, just yeah, further right. down down the coast from where I am. He's based in um, based in Torquay, so he uses okay. my Torquay shop a lot. I'm, you know what? And, I'm already um, fo- I'm already following you, Ash. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's a very very good. Very, very yeah. good photography. Uh, Tara, we've just seen your comment there. Portrait editing session would be good. Well, uh, for me, I don't do a lot of portrait work. I know Cam does a little bit, but yeah. I'm not sure that that's something we could do. But we do have some very good contacts and mates who we are do. very, very big on portrait work. So would, down would, the track, would, who knows? Would, we are talking dangerous now if we're going to think about bringing that gentleman in. <laughs> we, we both know who I'm talking about. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's hiding somewhere at the moment. He might be. Yeah, yeah he would be. Yeah, I think he would be. He, know, he knows who we're talking about. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we, like I said, this is predominantly a landscape photography show. And, but, you know, one thing I always teach as well is that if you can shoot a wildlife shot or a flower shot and landscape with shallow depth of field, you can shoot portrait. Um, so a lot of things cross over with settings and, and things like that. So yeah, down the track, we can certainly look at doing something like that. Um, that, that that's 100% right. And, you know, landscape photography um, speaks to all kinds of photography and, and, you know, exactly what you just said is bang on. And um, yeah, look somewhere down the track, but like I said, we're, we are, we are keen to see where this takes us. And um, so I guess we need to wrap things up. So thank yeah. you so much, everyone. This has been so cool. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, something good to do on a Sunday night. Cam, how about we say we run a live one of these, say, once a month? Or yeah, I reckon. What do, you, what do you think? Well, it's funny. We're going out on a high because we've just peaked our highest watches. We've got heaps of people watching now. So we're just peaking. <laughs> <laughs> we're just peaking. But, yeah, I think... Mate, um, you've got to leave them wanting more. Come on, mate. This is, it. this is showbiz, right? It is. Showbiz. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think if we, we can incorporate one of these bonus episodes once a month, um, maybe we can let the, the, the viewers or the guests drive what that topic may be in regards to what they want to talk about. Um, but it is nice, especially in this sort of real crappy time we're all living in where, you know, most of the people are in lockdown or some sort of restriction. Um, yeah, it can be a bit annoying. So, but yeah, absolutely. I don't mind. I've done a fair bit of live editing and sessions like that myself. So I think that's great to interact with people live. Well, um, yeah. stop the presses. We've just had the best idea I've seen yet from Ash. You need to do a roadshow broadcasting live out of a caravan each week for your fans. <laughs> Who's supplying the caravan, Ash? Is that you? How good would that be? How good? What a life. If only if only there was a way we could make that work. <laughs> go on a go on a roadshow. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do Again, it. Again, if we do do that, if anyone would like to sponsor oh, the show. God. 
feel free. Gee, this is this is getting blatant now, Cameron. We need to we need to stop. Yeah. Uh, righto, we're out of here. Thanks, everyone. This has been absolutely brilliant. We will see you on the Down South Photo Show for episode eight, uh, which we'll probably record next week, and we will talk to you then. Thanks, Cam. It's been before, fantastic. Before you, you go, I, I don't know how to stop the live recording. Hang on a sec. Well, um, we're probably up. about to we're probably about to drop out. <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I think I figured it out now. I went back to our main screen. I was on the. Lightroom one. This oh, is how well professional done. we are. We have no idea what we're doing. No, um, that's good. That's good. We've learned a lot. We have. Thanks, guys, for watching and really appreciate all the comments and um, questions. And I'll talk to you soon, Brands. Good to see you again. Good on you, mate. No worries Thanks, at mate. all. Cheers. Cheers. All the best. Bye bye.